All right, if you would, go ahead and open up your Bibles with me. And let's look together at the book of Romans and chapter 12. The book of Romans and chapter 12. And we're going to be looking this morning at the second half of verse 10. So Romans 12 and verse 10. I want to start with some other passages. But the Lord of hosts, him shall you honor as holy. Isaiah 8.13 Honor your father and your mother. Exodus 20.12 You shall stand up before the gray head and honor the face of an old man. Leviticus 19.32 So receive Epaphroditus in the Lord with all joy and honor such men for he nearly died for the work of Christ. Philippians 2, 29 and 30. Honor widows who are truly widows. 1 Timothy 5, 3. Let the elders who rule well be considered worthy of double honor. 1 Timothy 5, 17. Throughout the pages of Scripture, over and over and over again, we are told to honor certain persons. We are to honor God above all. We're to honor those that God has placed in authority above us. We're to honor those who are older than us. We are to honor those who serve us well. And there is an honor that we are to give to all people. Because they are made in the image of God. This morning, as God is instructing us how to live together in the local church, we have this command in verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. Every one of the commands in this passage are calls for us to imitate God. This is the same God who says to us, be holy as I am holy. This is the God who calls us to emulate his own moral character. We are to be in micro what he is in macro. In Mount Hermon, our God delights to give honor. It is his joy to bestow honor. And God is now in this command calling on us to follow him and finding that same joy of bestowing honor on others. Let's take a moment and just rejoice in the fact that our God is a honoring God. Listen to a familiar psalm. I'm going to read just two verses from Psalm 8, verses 4 and 5. What is man that you are mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. So think about what that means. Our God has crowned humanity with honor. 
Uh, put simply, to honor someone is to declare their great worth. And this can be done in word, and this can be done in deed. We can declare the worth of people around us in our lives with our lips, and we can declare their worth with our actions. But either way, the message conveyed is a message of value. Sometimes that declaration of honor is simply recognizing worth. So, for example, sometimes we'll have a guest preacher who comes here to our church, and we always honor our visiting preachers with what we call an honorarium. You heard that word before? An honorarium. It's a little bit of money that we give to those who come and to preach for us. And it's a, a way of recognizing that they have done something valuable for us. That they have spent time preparing and studying and preparing to bring God's word to us. And, and it was valuable. And so in that gift of an honorarium, we are recognizing the value. We're recognizing the worth of that guest preacher and what he has done. But sometimes a declaration of honor doesn't just recognize worth. It actually grants worth. And this is what God has done for us as human beings. What are we that God should be mindful of us? We are tiny specks on a little planet called Earth in the Milky Way galaxy, which is just one of at least 200 billion galaxies. Do you know how many planets there are? Our best estimate right now is 10 to the 24th power. I'll let you go home and figure that number out. That's not thousands or millions or billions or trillions or quadrillions or quintillions or sextillions. It's in the septillions. That helps, which it probably doesn't. It's a number beyond our comprehension. You could take the entire human race and we are like a single grain of sand on a seashore a thousand miles long in this universe. Think about the bigness of God and how hitty bitty we are compared to him. He's omnipresent. He fills every square inch of the universe. More than that, God is beyond the universe, so big that he exists not only in every square inch of the universe, but he exists outside of the universe in realms unknown to us. God is inherently and intrinsically different from us. God has thoughts that are a billion times more complex than ours. His knowledge is too wonderful for us to even grasp. God is an entirely different level of being. He is infinitely beyond us. And yet, this God condescends to pay attention to this universe that he has made. And he lowers himself to pay attention to our galaxy out of the 200 galaxies, 200 billion galaxies in the world. And he stoops himself to pay attention to our little planet out of the septillion planets that are out there. And God looks on man and he cares about us. He chooses to care for us. He made us in his image. From the beginning, as little and insignificant as we may seem, God chose to make us special to him. 
He puts something of his own nature into us. So you see, our worth is not from ourselves. Our worth is something that was given to us by God. And marvel at this, Mount Hermon. God has crowned us with such honor, with such value, that he was willing to become one of us in order to save us from our sins and to bring us into a right relationship with him. Is that not incredible? It's, 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 it's so much more than you becoming a microscopic bacterium in order to save a microscopic bacterium. And yet God has done that for us. And then consider how God has honored those he saves. Yes, we have the honor of being his image bearers. But what did we do with that honor? We opposed God. We rebelled against God. We used the abilities God gave us for sin and for wickedness. We took the the attributes that God has in macro that we have in micro and we used those attributes to make ourselves a putrid stench in the holy nose of God. We became a people of selfishness and greed and lust and violence and hatred and bitterness. We used the tongues he gave us to speak lies. We've used our minds to conceive of evil ideas. We've used our bodies to perform evil acts and to hurt others. God would have been just and right to leave all humanity in our dreadful state, just pouring out his judgment on us, vindicating the glory of his name by pouring out his wrath on us. But instead, God chose to show the glory of his mercy. And he chose to have compassion and to show forgiveness to sin riddled, spiritually dead souls. We have been honored. We have been declared valuable to God. In Psalm 91, God says what he will do for every person who looks to him in faith. He says, because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and I will show him my salvation. Isn't that just like our God? He doesn't just come and rescue us who look to him in faith. He goes further. He doesn't just snatch us from the fires of hell as if that wasn't amazing enough. But he then honors us. He puts us in royal clothes. He sits us at his royal table. He makes us the objects of his special love. He gives us eternal life. He makes us co-heirs with Jesus Christ. We who are Christians are going to live in eternal paradise, beholding the glory of the Lord, experiencing the glories of divine love forevermore. Why? Only because God chose to honor us in that way. He looked upon us in our misery and wretchedness and he has chosen to save us and exalt us and honor us even above the angels themselves. Our God takes us dishonorable people and by the blood of Jesus and the power of the spirit, he makes us honorable. He makes us sons and daughters of the living God. And so Mount Hermon, this is the God we love. This is the God we worship. He loves to show honor And now, 
Just as each one of these commands in Romans 12, 9 through 21, call us to imitate God, we are to imitate Him by honoring one another. Now, before we get practical and talk about how to live this out, I want to stop and ask, is there a person in this room who has not yet been rescued and honored by God? Did you hear the passage I just read from Psalm 91? Did you hear its implication for you? It is through Jesus Christ alone that God rescues sinners, saves them, forgives their sins, takes away their guilt, and makes them right with home. Uh, More than that, it's through Jesus Christ alone that God adopts us as our children. He pays a special attention to our welfare. He promises to bring us through the day of judgment into a new heavens and a new earth where we will know him forever. Is there someone in this room who is still in their sin and on their way to hell? If that's you this morning, then the only message I have for you is turn to the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. Before you can honor one another, you must honor the Lord Jesus Christ by declaring your allegiance to Him, your faith in Him, your love for Him. If you honor everybody else in the world and don't honor Jesus, you've missed the main point. You've missed what really matters. Because we are to honor one another for Jesus' sake. Indeed, we honor Jesus in the way we honor one another. At the end of the day, it's all about Him. And you'll never be able to rightly honor the other people in this room if Jesus does not hold the highest place of esteem in your heart and in your soul. If you're here this morning and you're not a baptized believer in Jesus Christ, this is the message for you. Will you humble yourself to honor the Lord Jesus by surrendering your life to him? And I pray that you will. Now, for us who are Christians... For us who are given this command about our life together in a local church, what do we see? He tells us to outdo one another in showing honor. Don't you love that? Outdo one another. So earlier in Romans 12, we got the sense that some Christians in Rome were already trying to outdo one another. They were trying to outdo one another in spiritual gifts. They were trying to outdo one another in being the most important part of the church. They wanted to be the ones who were lifted up and exalted. I have better spiritual gifts than you have. I'm more valuable to the church than you are. They were outdoing one another. And Paul says, all right, if you want to outdo one another, let it be in this. If you want to turn the Christian life into a competition, let this be the competition. Who can outdo the others in honoring one another? If you want to be first at something, be first at lifting others up. Be first at putting others above yourself. Be first at exalting others before your own eyes. Instead of trying to be the most honored, try to be the one who does the most honoring. Instead of trying to receive honor, excel at giving honor. It turns out that with honor, it's just like money. It's better to give than to receive. Those who sincerely give the most honor in this life will receive honor from God in the life to come. Those who seek to be last in this life, always delighting from the heart to put others above them, will see that that grace in their life will be crowned 
with honor in the life to come. The word Paul uses here, that word outdo, it has the idea of leading the way. The command God is giving you is a command to take the initiative in showing honor. In other words, God is saying to each one of us, don't lag behind. Don't let other people in the church be honoring folks with word and deed and you're dragging behind. No, you step up. You be a leader in this. Uh, in this command, there would be only leaders, no followers. <coughs> Excuse me. We should all be trying to lead the way in honoring each other. What could be more humbling to ourselves and more encouraging to the people around us and more glorifying to God than to be constantly declaring the worth of the people around us? What could be more powerful to prevent us from sinning against one another and to compel us to serve and love and care for one another than to be constantly singing the tune of one another's value in each other's ears? Mount Hermon, a church where we are all trying to lead the way in honoring one another is a church that ultimately honors God himself and his gospel. If we want to be a witness here in the Reservoir community, and in Rocky Mount, and in the areas where we live, here is how we can be a witness. That anybody who comes among us sense the warmth and the love of this place as we are leading the way in honoring one another. Let it be evident to anybody who talks to us, wow, the people at his church are really important to him. He really values his church member. Or, wow, it's clear when I talk to her. How much she loves the people over there at Mount Hermon. They're important to her. They're, they're dear to her. So to help us obey this command, I want to ask two questions. First, who are we to honor? And second, how are we to honor them? So let's begin with the question number one, who are we to honor? And even before we look at our verse, we know there are certain people that God calls us to honor. I quoted several pertinent verses at the beginning of the sermon. We're always to honor our parents. Uh, we're to give our parents a lifelong respect. They're the ones God used to give us life. Parents have intrinsic worth to you because without them, there would be no you. Uh, we're always to honor the elderly. If every seat in the room is full and an older person walks into the room, you give your seat up. We're to be patient with the elderly in their weaknesses. We're to show special care for them. And we're to take time to learn from their wisdom. The length of their lives gives them a value that others don't have. The elderly have seen more, experienced more, and therefore they have more knowledge to draw from in giving counsel. I hope we realize as a church the wealth that we have in the wisdom of our senior adults. And all the stories that they could tell us from years gone by that would put our lives today into perspective. And then there are others. First Timothy 5 speaks about honoring widows and the elders in a local church. First Timothy 6 tells servants to honor their masters. And there's an honor that we're to show to all people because they bear the image of God. There's an inherent dignity that all people have 
that must be reflected in the way we act towards them. We should never speak needlessly ill of anyone. And we should never devalue any person's life. As you have opportunity, you should always put your fellow man before yourself. If you pull up to a stop sign and you pull up at the exact same time with someone else, wave them on. You go first, right? When you're walking into a restaurant, there are others behind you. You, you hold the door. You let them go in first. These are, these are very little things, but they're, that the idea is that we honor the dignity of every human being. And frankly, it's the loss of these little things that's causing our culture to devalue one another, often in much bigger things. And so we ought to count others more significant than ourselves. We ought to count all others more significant than ourselves. In our verse this morning, however, the focus is on honoring one another. Uh, That is the thrust of these verses. We're to love one another with brotherly affection. And in that light, we are to seek to honor one another. I am to seek to put you first. I am to seek to show you and others that you have value, that you are loved by God, that you have worth. We have added reason to honor one another in God's family. As human beings, we're all image bearers of God. There's an honor due for that reason alone. But in the family of God, we are also brothers and sisters of one another. And so we have an extra value to one another as family. We have added value to one another because we share the same father, the same Lord, the same faith, the same mission. Every believer has significance um, because without every member, the church of God would be incomplete. Jesus Christ said he will not come to the full number of the elect has been gathered in. Uh, If you want to see Jesus come back, every Christian matters. There is no such thing as an unimportant Christian. There is no person in the people of God who who should be looked at as without value or without worth or without dignity. Jesus has placed such value on his people that he's declared he will not lose a single one of them. Think about how many millions of Christians there must be. In the people of God. And Jesus said, I won't lose one. Every one of them matters. God has chosen us to be the undeserved recipients of his mercy. And of all that the father gives to the son, the son will not lose a single one. Remember the parable of the lost sheep. Remember how the shepherd was willing to leave the 99 to pursue that one sheep that was straying and in danger. One of the messages of that parable is that every Christian matters in the world and in this church. Every one of us was redeemed at the cost of the life of the Son of God. Every Christian is a blood-bought person purchased with the most precious blood there ever was. Every believer matters to Christ and therefore they should matter deeply to us. And then also remember... That since we are one body, if any one part of the body is devalued, it hurts the whole body. If you neglect any part of your body, if you refuse to care for any of your body, if you allow any part of your body to get injured or infected and you do nothing to help it, and you say, oh, that part of my body, it doesn't matter. It can ultimately kill you. 
It can ultimately bring true harm and death to the whole body. Every part of your body is vital. And so it is with the church of God. We must honor one another as beloved children of God, blood-bought children of God, and as vital children of God. Okay, so we're to obey this command because we're imitating our God. We're to obey this command because there's the common dignity that all people have as God's image bearers. We're to obey this command because we're in the mission together and we're a family and we're one body. So have I convinced you that we need to be honoring one another? Now let's talk about how. How do we show honor to one another in a local church? Very practical. Five answers. All of them are either commanded or exemplified in the pages of the New Testament. Number one, we honor one another through acts of self-sacrifice. Through acts of self-sacrifice. And I put that one at the top of the list because I do think it's what Paul has most in mind in this particular passage. Instead of trying to get others to serve you, to esteem you, to praise you, which is what I think some of the Roman Christians were doing, they wanted to be seen as best, right? He says, no, put yourself low. Seek to serve others, esteem others, praise what is good in others. Sacrifice for the good of someone else. Be willing to give up your seat or be willing to give up your very life to show the value and the worth of the people around you. Paul says in Philippians 1 verse 20, It is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or death. So what did Paul mean by that? How would Christ be honored in Paul's body? Answer, through Paul's life of sacrifice, it would be obvious to all that he esteemed Jesus as more valuable than life itself. As Paul gave himself to his missionary work, as Paul suffered beatings and stonings and imprisonments and ultimately death for Jesus' sake, he was declaring to the world the worth of Jesus Christ. So also we declare how valuable and important each other is by our acts of sacrifice towards one another. And so let me just ask us, Mount Hermon, are we sacrificing for one another? Are you honoring one another by putting each other ahead of yourself? Are you willing to have less money in order to help someone in this church family? Are you willing to give up your plans for a vacation time because another member of the church needs your help with something? If there's a great opportunity that comes your way and you would enjoy that opportunity, but you know somebody else in our church could actually benefit all the much more from that opportunity, do you pass it up and hand it over to them? This is the meaning of outdo one another in showing honor. And by the way, if you understand what I said earlier about our worth being based on the image of God and being redeemed by Jesus' blood, then you shouldn't be willing to do this only for some members of the church. You should be willing to do these things for any child of God. We ought not to show partiality in our honoring. Uh, we studied James 2 on Wednesday nights just some weeks ago. 
Go home and read that chapter again. Hear the rebuke there about those who were willing to give up the best seat for those in the church who were rich. But they wouldn't give up the seat for those in the church who were poor. And James said that 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 behavior dishonored the poor man. James says, don't play favorites in your honoring. God calls us to be radical in this way. We are to be willing to sacrifice of ourselves to honor any of his children, no matter how unesteemed they may be in the eyes of the world. And remember, we're to delight in this. This is to be our joy. This is a path of blessing, a path of happiness. God delights to honor others. We should delight to honor others. So first, we honor one another by self-sacrifice. Number two, we honor one another by giving what is due. By giving what is due. So this is how the word is used in 1 Timothy 5 and in 1 Timothy 6, where we are told three times to give honor to someone, and each time it's about giving them their due. Uh, First, Paul told Timothy to make sure that the true widows in the church were being honored. That meant making sure that their financial needs were met. And in the context of that chapter, honoring a true widow meant fulfilling the church's obligation to make sure that that widow was not living in poverty, but that she had what she needed. Then later, in 1 Timothy 5, Paul says the same thing about elders in a church. He says elders are to receive double honor and then explains that this means making sure pastors in a church have their financial needs met. He quotes the Old Testament principle, the laborer deserves his wages. So sometimes honoring someone means giving them financially what they are due. But then in 1 Timothy 6, Paul goes on to address servants and masters. And the closest analogy for us would be employees and employers. And Paul calls for us who are employees to honor our employers by giving them what they are due, that is, a full day's work. To give our all to our work for our employers. We're not to steal from the companies we work for by receiving wages for time that we wasted. Uh, Christians ought to be the very model of good workmen and good workwomen. Respecting those who hire us. uh, Seeking to honor those who are managers over us. Striving for excellence in the assignments and the projects that are given to us. Well, similarly, in our relationships together as a church... We're never to take advantage of each other. We're never to be using one another. We're to respect one another. We're to treat each other accordingly. And we are to give to one another that which is due. Well, third, we honor one another through words of appreciation. Through words of appreciation. And this we see exemplified especially by Paul. Um, In Paul's letter to the Philippians, for example... He takes time to express his appreciation for men like Epaphroditus and Timothy. And at the end of Romans, uh, look at Romans 16. It's just name after name after name after name of people that he's greeting. But he's actually mentioning certain people in the church of Rome that he appreciates for something they've done. He honors Priscilla and Aquila because they risked their lives for him. He honors a lady named Mary because of her hard work on behalf of the Roman Christians. 
He honors a man named Urbanus for his work. We don't know what Urbanus did. We just know that Paul honored him for the work that he had done. These are words of appreciation as Paul is just calling out people and saying this name, this name, this name. They've done good things for the Lord. As we think about our church, are there not many whom we should honor with words of appreciation? We are far too seldom in expressing our appreciation to our deacons, to our Sunday school teachers, the hard work that they do in studying and preparing each week, our ministry leaders. Uh, every Sunday, Sherwood's back there running the sound for us. Janet's playing the piano for us. They help us through singing, never asking a dime in return. They're just serving us. Uh, men like uh, Mr. Ronnie and Mr. Neal do so much to make sure that these facilities are well cared for. I think about how 20 years ago it was Mr. Dixie and, and Mr. Earl, and now we kind of have our Mr. Ronnie and Mr. Neal, and you know it continues. And we need to acknowledge such servants, both the servants of the past and the servants of the present. Some months ago, we were kind of in a bind with our nursery during the Sunday school hour, and many of you stepped up to help, uh, but Linda McDaniel stepped up to be a consistent leader for us in the nursery during Sunday school, and it proved to be a lifesaver at the moment when we really, really needed it. So she hey, doesn't like being acknowledged, but we need to honor her, honor her for that and honor such people in our church in the ways that they, they serve. So let me just ask you, how, how are you doing at honoring people in your life and in this church with words of appreciation the way Paul did? And do you know how encouraging even just a word or two of appreciation can be. I bet you do because you've received those words before. You've experienced that. So remember, the goal here is not to collect those words. The goal is to go give them. Outdo one another in showing honor. Well, fourth, we must honor one another by drawing attention to each other's virtues in our conversations. So here, I'm thinking about the way we talk about each other, okay? Um, if we're talking about each other, but we're saying negative things, that's gossip. Don't do that, okay? We're not supposed to gossip. But the opposite of gossip is not saying nothing. The opposite of gossip is I go behind your back to speak well of you. I go talk to people that you and I both know while you're not around, and I talk about how valuable you are. And I honor you in the eyes of the people of this church. So how often have we been together talking about our life together as a church? And I'm going to use Mr. Neal as an example. His name comes up often. And I've heard people say it. That, that man does so much for us. He's such a kind man. And I'm not trying to embarrass him. But just, you know, those, those comments are made. And you know what it does to anybody who's listening to that conversation? It raises their esteem for Mr. Neal. It causes our kids and our grandkids to have a higher view when they hear us saying those kinds of things. Uh, more importantly, our kids and grandkids are learning the value of being generous and sacrificial the way Mr. Neal is when they hear us honoring that in their presence. And so let me, let me challenge us in this way. Whenever you're in conversation and the name of someone from our church comes up, Always try to honor them with some word of appreciation in that conversation. Uh, someone mentions so-and-so. And before you continue the conversation, say, you know what I really appreciate about so-and-so? I really love the way she does this. 
Oh, I really love the way he's helped us with that, right? Try and find ways. You fill in the blank, but find ways to use the way you talk about each other to honor one another as a church. And then fifth, we can practically honor one another through gifts of appreciation. So here you think about the woman who honored Jesus with her gift of expensive perfume. You think about how the wise men honored the Lord Jesus Christ even when he was a, a baby as they came with their gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. In the life of a church, it's amazing how God can use even a little token of appreciation to encourage his people as they serve him. I'm sure many of you can think of times when someone gave you a small gift. Uh, it meant the world to you just because they were honoring you. It wasn't the gift itself. It was that they wanted to, to recognize how you had served. It, it humbled you. It made you grateful to God. So as I thought about some, some different ways to end this sermon, my mind kept going back to the idea that we are to outdo one another or literally it's the idea of leading the way. And I wanted to lead the way as a church in seeking to show honor to one another. And so in particular this morning, I want us as a body to honor one couple who continues to do so much for us year after year. Brad and Janet, would y'all come up here for a minute? Come on. Come on up here. Come on. Brad has been a very faithful, committed deacon at this church, I think, since 1989. He was like 12 or something. The world's youngest deacon. Um, that would mean next year would be 30 years in serving. Uh, Janet has been playing since 2000, something like that. I mean, it's been, do you know how long it's been? 2002. Yeah, but she played at Falls Road, too. That's right. Year after year, and, and really it's, it's week after week. And I, I forget to send her the email with what she's supposed to play almost every other week. And she has to remind me. And she always comes prepared. And they never ask a dime and just continues to, to play for us. I thought it was right for us to honor the way they serve us as a church. So we have a little something for you. We have a card just to say thank you. And we have a wall art about the Lord Jesus comes from John 1.14. The word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth, John 1.14. And, uh, so we wanted to give this as a gift to you guys, just to say that we do value you, and we are thankful to God for you. Y'all give them a hand. Thank you, God be the glory. Amen. Amen. That's right. That's right. Well, and as Brad is saying there, you know what? God is honored when we honor one another. That's, that's the whole point. Jesus is honored when we outdo one another in showing honor. And so let us take this verse to heart and let us seek to honor Jesus by honoring his grace in the lives of one another. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Well, Father, we are grateful.